I'm sitting here in disbelief, unable to wrap my mind around this tragic loss. If you listen to my show, you'll know that my previous episode was the Ruben book review with a very, very special guest, Michael Brooks. I couldn't have imagined that that would be our very last conversation. I still can't even process it. But it was such a fun conversation. Dunking on Ruben, as everyone knows, brought him great joy. So I feel very fortunate and honored to have had one last chat with him. And that having been on a subject he loved laughing about. Once that episode was released, I wanted to take a bit of a break. You know, it required a lot of reading Ruben's horrendous material, hearing Ruben's horrendous voice, clipping it and editing. So I turned my laptop off right after that, put it in some corner of the house, and haven't touched it since, till now. I just opened it up to record this, and the first thing I saw was my open notes from the Ruben episode, and the questions I wanted to ask Michael and the quotes I wanted to read him for the episode, it just leapt from the page, you know, his name right there in my notes and not in past tense. It feels like I just talked to him. How could this be? When I first read the news on Twitter, I thought someone was making a terrible joke, you know? I. Anyway, when I saw my notes open and just remembered what a great conversation we had and and that hit me all over again. It's been a few days since we heard the horrible news about Michael's sudden passing and it's been like a punch in the gut. Such a large and lively presence, such a kind human being and just so funny and witty and immensely knowledgeable. Such a rare combination of so many talents. It is an unbelievable loss. I never met him in real life. I didn't always agree with him even, but I know that Michael was a truly wonderful guy. And as so many of you are probably feeling, despite never meeting him, it felt like I knew him well. Not just because we spoke, a few times, but because, like so many, I invited him and his incredible, incredible laughter and his brilliant dunking, his impressions, into my home via my screen all the time. He opened so many people's eyes to the horrendous charlatans of the IDW, including mine. I found him on YouTube when I was questioning this stuff and feeling really alone and isolated from the online atheist scene, and finding him in the majority report gave me so much strength to speak up against the phrenology crew. He just exposed their bullshit so masterfully all the time. He was such an inspiration, and it was a joy to watch him dunking on those insidious clowns, and to hear his very hearty laugh. I could not believe we won't be hearing it again. Every time 
one of these assholes says something ridiculous, my instinct is going to be to want to look for a Michael Brooks clip on it. He was just so plugged in to these little niche sections of the IDW type griftiness where so many current left tubers just maybe don't even notice or don't cover the significance of the Islam-related grifts in the current right-wing scene or the quote-unquote Candace Owensing of the ex-Muslim scene. He knew what was up with that. He could spot it a mile away. He talked about people like the imam of quote-unquote peace. He knew what role this shit played on the right in general. He even once asked me how I managed not to fall into that grift. He shouted me out on his show a couple of times. He was always supportive of smaller creators in a way that none of the other left figures I can think of are. Just truly an honor to have known him and to have heard his impressions personally in our conversations. To have laughed with him and to have dunked on Ruben with him. I am feeling so empty and heartbroken that I just, I can't even begin to describe this loss of a person I never met in real life, but had such a huge impact. But let's not end this on a sad note. Let's remember him and honor him by continuing to speak out against those hacks. I'm going to end now by uh, playing some of my favorite clips from both his appearances on my show. We miss you so much, Michael Brooks. All right, you ready for some more um, some yeah. more clips? Hook me up. Here we go. Consider this book the literary equivalent of a hazmat suit. Except rather than handle radioactive chemicals, you'll face a truth that's only hazardous to your health if you continue to ignore this. The left is no longer liberal. Once upon a time, the left truly was liberal. Liberals used to champion the rights of women, black people, and gays. They fought for all marginalized groups to be equal under the law. Did you you hear that? Like, consider this book the literary equivalent of a hazmat suit. I mean, I I think he's stumbling onto something there. (laughs) (laughs) This is, again, where I would say that, like, Dave is not an outlier. I remember um, a libertarian years ago in the Majority Report, and not just, like, a random caller, like a, a... you know, a recognize, I think an economics professor who basically was saying like, well, if you, you know, look, of course, I think racial discrimination is bad, but if you force people to serve, uh, you know, everybody at, at a restaurant, regardless of background, you know, that's, I mean, then you basically have to force everybody to be bisexual because what? you can't, you know, oh, absolutely. <laughs> These people are fucking nuts. And so I. So Dave has this take about Yelp reviews, you know, regulating the economy. And then he cries about people giving his book one-star ratings on Amazon. He's like, this is literally, literally, he said the word literally, a digital book burning. Digital book burning. (laughs) Digital book burning. 
Why can this guy not be even slightly consistent? Because he's Dave Rubin. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, like, I think. Again, someone like Sam Harris will contradict himself all the time, but he has the, you know, he's got, he knows how to say, like, well, no, that's not really a contradiction because you have to look at my amended blog post from 15 years ago, which has a hypertext (laughs) link to a reprint chapter in my last book, and you took me out of context. In this case, it's just like, you know, it's just, wow. It's just like, like, deal with it. Stop. <gasps> a one-star Amazon review. This is like the Medici's. <laughs> we were just talking about this in the office. I want to run this by you. Ayn Hirsi Ali's personal story and experience is one that, like, is horrifying, mm-hmm. reveals misogyny, mm-hmm. dangers of just fanaticism and also uh, some very real, just literal physical courage on her part. Mm-hmm. Right now, her politics are fucking stupid. Yes. And and the way though that that scene conflated to really go into the Sam Harris zone, and I normally would never do this, but let me give you a thought experiment. <laughs> Ready for this shit? Okay. About- a fucking thought experiment. I'm disgusted with myself, but here it is. <laughs> Inside the United States, Muslims are a minority group that are subject to a lot of political, legal, and cultural dangers. In Saudi, they're the dominant group. It's a different situation. Yeah. When you're running your mouth about, I'm not talking about you, I'm talking in general, about yeah. all this stuff in a context of Europe or the United States with insurgent far-right exactly. parties. Exactly. Broad bigotry. You're part of that. And then I the last thing more. The incredible irony that, you know, I'm not somebody who in any way has any time for or agrees with the version of identity politics, which is actually pretty small in my experience, that actually literally says, like, well, you can't make an object- objective analysis of something because you're, you know, white man or whatever, yeah. or you can't debate with that person because you don't have the same identity. They practice that to such a profound and embarrassing and essentialist degree, almost more than anybody else I've seen in modern politics. The right? same people, like Dave Rubin. Oh my God, this, Dave Rubin is the. I mean, he's a hysterical example of it. But the, peop, the same people who will like. Oh, you're distorting Sam. Like, he's not racist. He's just promoting, you know, scientifically and culturally undermined, discredited concepts of race disparity based in biology. But he's just trying to have an open exchange. You're in very dangerous him. times. Very dangerous times. And then the next and then the next sentence, you know, I, I'm uh, racist because I, I don't know, I mispronounced Majid Nawaz's name and said he's an <laughs> idiot. Have you noticed how Majid Nawaz drops that he's a person of color in, like, every random tweet to every random critic? Like, signed. Yes. A person of color. Signed. Yes. A Muslim. Just it's like, thing, dude. It says he's gay. This, this is actually, yeah. this, like, this is the dumbed-down essentialist <laughs> identity politics that actually I just with they make so much hay over and they practice more than anybody else on the scene yes like paul joseph watson saying oh the people who didn't support you know marine le pen are no feminists because she's a woman like what the fuck exactly i mean my question for you is i mean how is it how did you manage to if it's okay i ask you a question please yeah what did you manage to because i because i get now more i 
when I first looked at this stuff, I just was like, who the fuck wants to like, you know, it's boring. Like what, like why, why would anybody read this shit? I really didn't get it. And then I started to realize, you know, and then I had a, not a lot of negative conclusions as to why, but then I did start to have a little bit more understanding when some people actually people who sort of graduated they said like hey you know i read sam harris when i was 18 or something and it helped me become realize i didn't have to be a mormon or something and now and now i realize like the guy's kind of a schmuck but it helped me at the time and i started to have more of an understanding of that but how did you get that liberation but not because i mean honestly i mean even just from a career perspective i mean my god you i mean you're doing great work and you're in the mix but you could be on those platforms. Yes. I mean, that was a very easy career lane. <laughs> what, so what held you back? Also- imagine calling yourself and your group intellectual and then naming it after the place where criminality and drug right. deals and shit happen on the internet. We're the intellectuals, and we'd like to take our moniker from the uh, child uh, uh, predator service online. <laughs> yes, it's embarrassing. The most generous interpretation is that he's a self-help author who's reached way far beyond his breach, and at worst, he's a disingenuous proto-fascist. I don't. He's know. a he's a combination. I think he's a self-help author who's a, a little bit fashy, maybe right. not openly, but you know, he likes to weave it into his little self-help stuff about hierarchies and throwing, fantasizing about throwing children across playgrounds. He has some weird-ass shit about children too. But. Well, probably what happened was, if I had to speculate, and I always have to say speculate because I know Jordan Peterson is not necessarily a huge fan of the First Amendment, um, ironically. <laughs> I know. But, but that being said, I would speculate that maybe, maybe his wife took his long belated virginity, and just as he was finally like, oh my God, I'm getting a taste of it. So good. <laughs> Then she got pregnant, and all of a sudden her feet hurt too much to have sex with him. So he hates kids too. So, <laughs> so he hates sex like, and kids. Like, like, as soon as I was finally getting it in, a fucking kid was born. I wish I could pummel him in a playground. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that, that's a really great impression. <laughs> I got to run, but I would love to do this again soon if you can. I would love to have you on my show and and, uh, talk to you uh, further. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure talking to you, and uh, yeah, we'll definitely do it again. Awesome. Thank you so much, Ina. Take care. Thanks for listening to another episode of Polite Conversations. You can support this podcast by sharing the shit out of it, making some noise about it, or contributing via Patreon, patreon.com forward slash nice mangoes. No Ian mangoes. Also, you can follow me on Twitter at nice mangoes. If you want to make a one-time donation instead of a monthly Patreon one, you can do so via PayPal, nicemangoes.blog at gmail.com. Remember, no Ian mangoes. If you've got an interesting story and would potentially like to be a guest, you can email me there too. (laughs) 